Good afternoon, everyone. If you please take your seats, we'd appreciate it. Good afternoon. My name is Al Williams. I'm president of the Board of Directors of the San Francisco African American Historical and Cultural Society. On behalf of the Society, its Board of Directors, and its members, we welcome you to San Francisco's official kickoff of 2023 Black History Month. The Society was founded in 1955 and merged with a local chapter of the Association for the Study of African American Life and History in 1958. The Association for the Study of African American Life and History was founded by historian, educator, and historian Carter G. Woodson in 1915. Asala, as it's called, uh, was created and began celebrating Black History Month in Black History Week in 1926. In 1976, it was changed to Black History Month. Asala chooses the national theme for Black History Month every year, and traditionally, the society adopts that national theme. The 2023 Black History Month theme is Black Resistance. A description of the theme of Asala's, it is on Asala's website, uh, and it's a very extensive description of what uh, why the theme and what the meaning of the theme is. That theme reads in part, African Americans have resisted historic and ongoing oppression in all forms, especially the racial terrorism of lynchings, racial pogroms, and police killings since our arrival on these shores. These efforts have been, ad have, these efforts have been to advocate for a dignified and self-determined life in a just and democratic society in the United States and beyond the United States uh, political jurisdiction. Again, for a more thorough and exhaustive explanation of the base of that theme, uh, you can refer to the uh, Asala's website uh, for the theme for this year. We'll begin the program as, as is customary for us with an invocation. The invocation uh, will be given by Reverend Ann Champion Shaw, who is the executive pastor at Bethel AME Church San Francisco and a vice chair of the San Francisco Human Rights Commission. Reverend Shaw. Let us pray. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on our way. We have gathered in a safe and sacred place in the rotunda of beautiful San Francisco City Hall to first say thank you. Thank you, God, for creating us in beautiful blackness. For as the scripture declares, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you, God, for Black History Month 
in which we remember trailblazers, warriors, soldiers, who sacrificed for the freedom of our people, our melanin ancestors who showed resistance to slavery and Jim Crow and all forms of oppression that tried to silence our gifts, our voice and identity. We thank you, oh God, for resistors who made contributions to our race, our society, giving us a newfound sense of freedom. The resistance of poet Langston Hughes, who wrote, I too sing America. Resistance of singer James Brown, who said, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Resistance of U.S. Representative Shirley Chisholm, who declared, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Resistors, Willie B. Kennedy and Ella Hitch Hutch. Thank you, God, for their work and so many others who pricked America's conscience to get right and do right by all. We thank you, God, for the black history that is amongst us with the first African-American woman mayor of this great city, the Honorable London N. Breed. God, endow her with your grace, courage, and wisdom as she continues to lead our city to higher heights. God, let your holy presence and your spirit abide with us for the San Francisco kickoff of our Black History Month. Bless the African American Historical and Cultural Society program participants and the keynote speaker who will present on today. And may we receive inspiration, motivation through sight, sound, and emotion that will enable us to respond to injustices with resistance for the better in the perpetual hope that we shall overcome someday. In the God of love, holiness, righteousness, and justice, we do pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Reverend Shaw. The African American, as in our name, the African American Historical and Cultural Society is about history and culture and bringing those two things together uh, as part of our celebration. We're doing something a little different today. I want to bring to you uh, a representation of our history and, and how that history ties in with the culture. And to that end, we've asked Lance McKee, uh, McGee, a.k.a. Unique Derek, to come and perform for us, uh, give us a little bit of history lesson about the ham bone and how the ham bone relates to African-American history and culture. Lance is an internationally celebrated performer and trauma-informed wellness coordinator. The goal of his performance is to increase the awareness of ham bone and its evolution from Africa to modern North America. Hambone is both a physical and metaphoric form of expression 
in the African-American community through many traditions and styles of body drumming, such as rhythm, tap dance, hambone, and step dance, the interconnectedness to African influences is performed. With that, I give you uh, Lance McGee. Thank you, sir. I say warrior, you say drummer, warrior. I say ham, you say bone, ham. I say step, you say dance, step. I say patent, you say juba, patent. Honoring the ancestors of the enslaved African warrior drummers, I stand before you in a dedication to them, in a dedication to their struggle and their resistance you can't take something away from me that I feel. Enslaved warrior drummers from Ghana, they were the ones to protect the tribe and the families. If they saw you coming, they would play a rhythm. And the sound of that rhythm and that beat would travel to another warrior drummer. And he would respond. So yes, the drum was used as a communicator. Like we have the iPhone, I call it the drum phone. Now, unfortunately, in our culture, throughout the Americas, those warrior drummers were not allowed to play those drums because they could try and break away from those institutions called slavery. They went back to the body. When we talk about resilience, you can't take away something that I feel. When you talk about resistance, you can't take away something that I'm going to find a way of taking nothing and making something. I say warrior, you say drummer, warrior. Inside American history, Africans were brought for slavery not long ago to a land never known. Shame, they tried. Strip away the culture and pride. Language traditions not allowed, but spiritual rhythms busting out. Hands clapping, drum beat. Circle of one, stomping feet, slapping chest and thighs. Rhythm nation of pride. New percussion formed. Hambone was born. Hambone, Hambone, where you been? Around the world and back again. Hambone, Hambone, who's your tribe? African people all mixed inside. Hambone, where's the rhythm come from? The soul inside of the drum, and the drum and the people are one. The soul inside of the drum. The drum and the people are one. Uh. Wait a minute, I ain't done. I ain't done. Let's warm it up. You can clap anytime now, it's as fast as I can go. Let's put a little dance in the mix. for the late, great Michael Jackson. 
honoring those warrior drummers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lance. You know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting how life works, but I remember as a kid growing up doing the ham bone, but I never knew it had this kind of historic and cultural connection. So thank you very much for that enlightenment. Let's go on so. another round of applause. In keeping with that tradition, our next uh, element of the program will be to uh, sing the Negro National Anthem. And uh, for that, we have Mr. Beeman with us, Lawrence Beeman. He will lead and will follow. It's in your, the, the words in your program. Lift every voice and sing. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmony of liberty, of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise. Oh yeah, high as the listening sky. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Oh, yeah, sounding good. Oh, sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught. Sing a song full of the hope that the present. Sing the rising sun of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. Stone in the road, stony the road. We build the chastening rod. Felt in the day when unhope unborn has died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet. feet come to the place for which our fathers Has 
God of our weary years. God of our weary years. God of our silent tears. Thou who has brought us thus far on the way. Thou who has by thy might Led us into the light. The light keep us forever in the path. We pray. Sing it and mean it. Oh, lest our feet stray from the place our God where we Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Get thee, shadow beneath thy hand, may we forever stand. Our God, true to our native land. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you, everyone. As as we all know. African-American churches have, have and continue to be at the forefront of black resistance in California and throughout the country. I'd like to take a moment to recognize African-Americans, uh, recognize uh, African, one African-American group in particular is doing great work throughout the city uh, on many fronts. Uh, would Reverend uh, Raymond Hillis and members of the San Francisco African-American Faith-Based Coalition please stand uh, and let's recognize them for all of the great work. We have a large segment uh, for the great work that the Faith-Based Coalition does here in the city and county of San Francisco. And other members, if there are any other members of the clergy, please you also stand at this time and let us recognize you as well. Thank you, uh, Reverend Hillis and the coalition for your presence and the great work that you do. Now this is the place where I always get in trouble when we do these things because uh, somebody is going to grab me afterwards who I don't mention is present that I should mention because we're all important here and I'm responsible for recognizing everybody. One person in particular. So as the, as the Bible says, uh, as the, the clergy would tell me, uh, God ain't finished with me yet. So forgive me if I miss you. Uh, on going, going around. I would like to acknowledge David Johnson here, who's to my left here. David Johnson is a former member, uh, president of the African American Historical and Cultural Society, a tremendous photographer, and the materials, the images you see on the front of your programs are part of David's work. He's been chronicling the history of African Americans and the city of San Francisco for many, many years. Also like to acknowledge 
Police Chief Bill Scott is here with us this, today. Uh, who, uh, Bill Scott is a very good friend of our keynote speaker uh, who's here. Uh, D.A. Brooke Jenkins is with us as well. City Attorney David Chu is with us. Joaquin Torres, the assessor, uh, is, is with us. Jose Cisneros, our treasurer, and uh, Chief Nicholson, the fire department. Be shot, be shot if I didn't recognize her. My son is one of uh, our firefighters here in the city, and we were very proud of as well. For those of you who I didn't mention, please get your names to me, and I'll make sure we... I'm oh, Cheryl Davis. I'm sorry. Cheryl is... Okay, who else? I'm sorry? I can't hear you. Grant Colfax. Grant Colfax. I'm sorry. Grant Colfax. Marvin Chu. Who? Okay, I... Carmen Chu. I said Marvin. I'm like, who's Marvin Chu? I... Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Okay, moving right along now. We're at the more, most uh, an important part of the program where it's time to have the mayor come up and offer words of greeting. Uh, mayor Breed, of course, is the 45th mayor of the city and county of San Francisco, who used to be a supervisor of District 5 and was president of the board of supervisors from 2015 to 2018. Mayor Breed was, as was mentioned earlier, the first black woman uh, and the second woman to be elected mayor of the city and county of San Francisco. She was sworn in as mayor on July, in July of 2018. Mayor Breed, welcome. We'd love to have you come up and say a few words to us. Thank you so much. Wow, what a very wonderful turnout to really kick off Black History Month in San Francisco. Thank you, Al Williams and the African American Historical Society for your work in ensuring that the history and the legacy of black people in this city continues to be highlighted in such a significant way. I do wanna take a moment before I begin my remarks in honor of black resistance and the theme of Black History Month to just recognize someone who basically was probably the poster child of black resistance. Uh, just recently, I'm sure many of you heard that uh, Charlie Walker passed away. And I would like to take a moment to just really recognize his legacy and what he has done. You know, when not many people had the courage to stand up against injustices during a very difficult time, Charlie Walker was one of those people here in the city and county of San Francisco who was unapologetically black, who continued to fight to provide opportunities. And as much as he made sure that his voices was, was heard, 
he was not afraid to make people uncomfortable with his words. And so I do want to take a moment to recognize him and his legacy here in the city and county of San Francisco with a moment of silence. Thank you all, and if any members of his family are joining us here today, can you please raise your hand and, and be acknowledged? Again, thank you so much. We, we, we miss Charlie so much, and, and we miss the work that he's done, but we also know there are so many incredible, extraordinary people with regards to those who represent black resistance in the history of San Francisco. People oftentimes uh, uh, talk about uh, Madam C.J. Walker, lucky for us black women, she <laughs> created these amazing hair care products so we could look good and feel good. But she wasn't the first black millionaire. In fact, a woman that came before her, Mary Ellen Pleasant, an abolitionist, someone who did not grow up in San Francisco but came to San Francisco and quietly through various sources invested money and in opened businesses and took her hard-earned money and invested it in helping people in the Underground Railroad and making sure that black people had a voice in this way. She used her wealth to support African Americans and that was a form of resistance even way back then. And when I think about even during the 1960s as the San Francisco's own redevelopment agency bulldozed and tore down African-American homes and businesses. It was people like one of the first African-Americans, first women of color to own a nightclub in San Francisco, the Blue Mirror. Leona King, who basically would not let them destroy her business, laid her life, laid down in front of the bulldozers and refused to move. People like her and Mary Helen Rogers, who was a dear friend and was unapologetic about standing against injustice in this city. Now, these names may not be names that people really recognize because you don't see their names in lights or in the history books sometimes. But these people were significant. Why? They didn't just fight for inclusion of black people, they fought for inclusion of all people. So the fact that anybody can show up to a meeting today and protest no matter what you say, whether you're for or against a project, has everything to do with many of these black people who came before us. The reason why I'm even standing here and can be mayor of a city like San Francisco has everything to do with these black resistors that came before me whose shoulders I know I stand on. But the fact of the matter is, the work is not done. The fact of the matter is, we, we celebrate Black History Month today, unfortunately, under a cloud. A cloud of racism that continues to exist. A cloud of unfortunate divisiveness and hatred that continues to tear our communities apart. We know we have a lot of work to do. We know in light of the tragic, tragic murder in Memphis, what we saw with Trey Nichols and, and the challenges. We know as black people that those things in the past would happen and we would grieve and we would hurt and we would feel pain and 
we had to just live with it. But we don't have to live with it. We can speak out against it. We can make changes to policies to deal with it. We can make our voices heard in unimaginable ways like never before. We can be those resistors and those agitators. And everyone may not agree, but it's important that we say and do something. We may not always get our way, but we will always make sure that our voices are heard. People like David Johnson made sure that our stories were told through photography. People in our community are special people because so many other folks are able to be the beneficiaries of our blood, sweat, and tears, not just the African-American community. And we honor their legacy when we continue to make sure that we are not at the forefront of just making change, but we're at the forefront of coming together to provide solutions that lead to programs like the Dreamkeeper Initiative. I am so proud that while other cities are talking about what they're gonna do for black people, I am being unapologetic about making a $60 million investment every single year in black people. Because of leaders like Cheryl Davis and Dr. Saida and others who work tirelessly to make sure that we have investments in this community, it's been extraordinary. Now this may not sound like much with a declining population of African Americans in San Francisco, but as a result of the Dreamkeepers Initiative, 19 African Americans mostly born and raised in this city are homeowners now. Because of this program, because of this program, 32 new black businesses in San Francisco that wouldn't exist. Because of this program, the Abundant Perth Birth Project that focuses on African-American mothers with universal basic income. Because of this program, new childcare providers and people that typically would not get city funding are getting support to provide these extraordinary programs so that we're not just talking about the statistics. We're actually delivering change that results in a new day for black people in San Francisco. So I want to thank all of you for calling attention to the injustices, but more importantly, working on the solutions to make change. It has not been easy, but our people are worth fighting for. It's why I get up every single day to do this work. It's why I'm excited about the future. And I want to also give a special recognition to the black firefighters. And in fact, in the South Light Court, there's a commemorative bell celebrating 50 years of the black firefighters and the integration of black people into the San Francisco Fire Department. Let's continue to celebrate those milestones. Let's continue to make investments. Let's continue to be a part of the solutions because that's what's gonna create the change in our community that we know we need to see. Today, we honor our history. We honor those that came before us. We celebrate, but tomorrow, we also know 
that we have to continue to roll up our sleeves and fight the battle that still is yet to be won. Thank you all so much for being here today to celebrate Black History Month. Thank you, Mayor Breed. All right, everybody take a deep breath and absorb all that powerful information before we move on to the next thing. Okay, Lawrence Breed, who you heard earlier last in the song, Lift Every Voice and Sing, is now going to come and give us another uh, musical uh, interlude here before we go to our keynote speaker. Lawrence. This, well, I would say in 1851, this man was born a free man. His name was Charles Tindley. Charles Tindley is the guy who wrote and composed the song, We Shall Overcome. A bit of information that most of you don't know, the original lyrics to We Shall Overcome was... I'll overcome. And when you see deep in my heart, I do believe the lyrics were, if in my heart I do not yield. It's powerful, very powerful. In order for us to change other people, sometimes we have to change ourselves. All right? Now, we shall overcome. I will be switching the words back and forth as it was originally written. If you want to go look it up in the Library of Congress, you can. <laughs> I'll overcome. We shall overcome. If in my heart I do not yield, we shall overcome. And I think that word should be, that, that little passage should be readopted into that song. If in my heart we do not yield. So I will perform for you. We shall overcome and let the Spirit speak to your heart. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. I will overcome. Today, today, oh dear, my heart, I do believe that we shall
Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you. It's a perfect setup to lead into our keynote address now. Our keynote speaker is Dr. Errol Southers. Dr. Southers is the Associate Senior Vice President of Safety and Risk Assurance at the University of Southern California. He's a veteran of three law enforcement agencies. He's a former FBI SWAT agency, agent, a professor of National and Homeland Security, and was President Obama's first nominee to head the TSA. Dr. Southers is a noted counterterrorism expert and security analyst to numerous media networks and consultants around the world. He earned his undergraduate degree from Brown University and hold master's and doctoral degrees in public policy from USC. Uh, let's welcome Dr. Southers. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Williams. And before I start, how about another round of applause for Brother Lawrence Beeman? <laughs> Lawrence, you gave me chills 
brought me back to my junior usher days when I was a Mount Team in Amy Church in, in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Well, good afternoon, and, and, and thank you for the honor and privilege to contribute to the African American Historical and Cultural Society Black History Month kickoff event. Mayor Breed, it's an honor to be here with you. I bring you greetings from your colleague, Mayor Bass, who I've known most of my career, and I've probably spent more time with her in the last two weeks than I have in the last 15 years, but she's doing well. So as we commemorate this period of remembrance and recognition, we do so with the clear understanding, as Mayor Breed said earlier, we stand on the shoulders of giants. As Nicole Hannah-Jones mentioned in the 1619, 1619 Project, the very people who were not supposed to be part of our democracy have played the most pivotal role in creating it. You know, as Mr. Williams mentioned, I'm a professor and a practitioner in public policy and the public service space. But as my, I share my thoughts on resistance today, I'm just gonna ask your permission if I can be a little personal because it's something I don't get often time to do. Resistance is the historical and essential component of our basic survival. And each of us should be consistently mindful of our responsibility in that regard. I spend a lot of time in my home office, and on the walls of my home office, I have images of black leaders, icons, athletes, and looking at them, I feel like I owe a debt. I remember Olympic sprinters Tommy Carlos and John Smith in the 1968 Olympics with their raised black glove fists that expressed their discontent for the conditions facing black America. Brothers who, by the way, were referred to as, quote, two dark-skinned stormtroopers by a legendary broadcaster who will go unnamed in an open display of his racist attitude toward the very players he glamorized each weekend. Muhammad Ali consistently called out racism and was crystal clear about not fighting for a country who viewed him as less than a man. And Colin Kaepernick, who is appropriately acknowledged on the poster for today's event, all of these men held a core conviction that racism and racist institutions endure and they were unacceptable. They held true to their beliefs, and as a result, they all lost their ability to work. Their careers taken from them by the very establishments and institutions that they challenged. They gave up their careers in the furtherance of resistance, and so given that, some people might say their protests were unsuccessful, but I don't agree. Their sacrifices were exactly the point. So I'm asking you, what are you willing to sacrifice? Today's resistance has to be led by those within the organizations and institutions where change is long overdue. We need to be inside the castle. By the way, that's a phrase that I didn't create, but I'll tell you more about that in a moment. It's a cruel reality that we're allowed a month to remember the accomplishments of our people. There's a portion of this nation that's seeking to deconstruct America and our hard-earned place in it. There are people and groups who want to forcefully reshape America to reflect their own image and to whitewash this country's bloody history. For example, the last year and a half, we saw more voter suppression laws passed. More recently, the deconstruction movement initiated actions to actually remove the mention of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the banning most recently of AP African American Studies. Obviously, the need to resist cannot be overstated.
Now, you may be asking yourself, how does this conversation about resistance square with a guy who's had a long career in law enforcement, including the FBI? The same FBI that was notorious for its counterintelligence program, COINTELPRO, that was designed to pit blacks against each other, targeted Martin Luther King. So where do I get off telling you to resist? So let me tell you a little bit about my journey. I'm the son of educators. I grew up in a New Jersey town so small, we didn't even have curbs along the street. Like many of my friends, I wanted to be a star athlete. But my parents prioritized education. My mother said to me quite often, your education is the only thing they can't take from you. By the way, she was the same mom who was the first African-American woman to graduate from Rutgers School of Pharmacy. My parents made sure I knew about Dr. Charles Drew, who developed a method for processing and storing blood plasma that you now know as blood banks. They made sure I knew Garrett Morgan, son of an enslaved parent who invented the sewing machine and the gas mask. My parents had three master's degrees between them. They participated in the 1963 March on Washington. They practiced what they preached and made sure I was watching and learning. So as a teenager, my interactions with the police were usually brief, but long enough to be insulted or assaulted. And it led me to the conclusion that that was a profession that I never really wanted to be part of. Following in the footsteps of resistance, when I was a freshman at Brown University, I participated in the 1975 takeover of University Hall. We were protesting the lack of black, Hispanic, and Asian professors and demanded more recruitment of students of color. My participation brought the real risk of being kicked out of Brown, but I was undeterred. I played the congas so my classmates could keep in step as the protest line marched around University Hall, played so long my hands were swollen when I was done. At this time, and, and I'm going to say this because my wife will know exactly where I'm going with this, at this time in my life, I was like anybody else my age. I thought I knew everything, and I complained about everything. Finally, one day when my dad had enough, he looked at me and said, you can't change the castle from outside the moat. So the view of resisting from within institutions and structures is our goal. But it comes at a time when ignorance is growing every day by leaps and bounds due to myths and disinformation. So here's my disclaimer that I have to offer quite frequently these days. I no longer waste my time with people who believe racism ended when Barack Obama was elected president of the United States. I no longer waste my time who believe Antifa stormed the Capitol on January 6th. They might as well deny gravity because we don't live in the same planet. So how do we grapple with what I would say is terribly obvious? Understand there's a movement to roll back the clock. And with that, as Mayor Breed mentioned, hate crimes targeting African Americans, Jews, Asians, Pacific Islanders, and even houses of worship. That threat is persistent and evolving. This year's White House National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism identifies white supremacy and violent militias as presenting the most persistent and lethal threat to this country today. We cannot and will not ignore these dynamics. Racism and bigotry perpetuate the domestic terrorism threat, and there's no both sides about to hate.
So my resistance is often on display when I challenge ignorance with the facts. We need to overcome the tyranny of the uninformed, regressive statements. I often tell people, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. This is also true in American law enforcement. How many times after an event can we hear, we need better training, we need body cameras, we need to use less lethal weapons, while we barely move the needle at the margins, deadly inequity perpetuates. Recently, news headlines championed the swift actions of the Memphis Police Department in firing the murderous police officers. It was heralded as a national model. No, no. We should herald cities where there are no deadly encounters between police officers and black residents. Places where officers de-escalate and use conflict resolution alternatives before resisting, resulti, I'm sorry, resorting to force. Those departments and cities should be held up as exemplars, and we should accept nothing less. While we gather this month to recognize the tremendous achievements of the past, the focus, as Mayor Breed mentioned, must remain on the future. And for that, there has to be a strategy. Resistance means influencing the institutions and systems that will facilitate the justice, accountability, and transparency we've demanded for decades. So how do we do that? I'll give you three things. One, we continue the peaceful protests. Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, and John Lewis are shining examples of what can be accomplished in that regard. Two, we hold our election officials accountable at the ballot box and in the public forum. And lastly, we become part of and manage the institutions that govern our lives. One way we can assure accountability is by being inside the castle. Those best to lead us should share our life experiences. They need to know where we're coming from. We resist the status quo by bringing a different perspective to public office and public service. We need people who have firsthand understanding of the problems facing us, as well as incisive solutions to those issues. This includes challenges related to law enforcement, homelessness, public housing, mental illness, and food insecurities, to name but a few. As I often say sometimes to my students, a dream without a plan is a mirage. So ask yourself, what are you doing to get inside the castle, and what's your plan when you get there? There are nine black women serving as mayors of the nation's largest 100 cities. We are honored to be in the presence of one of them on this momentous occasion. So I'll just end by saying, this is how change happens. They're inside the castle. Join them. Join me. And in the words of Mayor Breed, it is our responsibility to stand up for equality, fairness, and civil rights. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Southers. Okay, the next item uh, on the agenda uh, will be Ginger Smiley, Vice President of the Society, is going to come up and uh, make some announcements and talk about uh, 
future further events coming up. Ginger. How do you do, everyone? I hope you, I'm just amazed that you all came out, but I'm blessed, we're blessed to be in the presence of one another, not having to worry about COVID. And I appreciate those who are wearing their masks. Um, hi, Grant. <laughs> a lot of familiar faces. <laughs> a lot of familiar faces and a lot of new ones. So we're really happy to have you here. Um, Fantastic. Thank you so much. That is at the heart of our journey here is resistance and resistance with a positive outlook. So just a few announcements. Um, I just want to uh, honor again David Johnson and his wife. David, every time I see him, I, I want to sing happy birthday. Um, and so you may want to congratulate him on all the wisdom of the years. And I'm so sorry that you missed, some of you might have missed his photographic exhibit um, that was hanging over here in the North Light Court. So you may be able to get that online. Um, Go to our website events page and it, I may be able to find that for you. So, you know, February may be the shortest month of the year, but Black History Month events are occurring every day. Every day around this city, in our communities, our churches, our organizations, in our homes, and also across the Bay. So be sure to check these things out and learn something. We can always learn something new about African Americans and their contribution to this great country. Um, and not just our history, but our culture and the way that we lived and other contributions. So a few other announcements. The Society is going to sponsor yet another genealogy workshop on Saturday, February 18th at 11 o'clock at Booker T. Washington Community Service Center. It'll be our first in-person um, genealogy workshop since the epidemic started and the lockdown started in March of 2020. Um, we hope that you want to join us. Let us know. You can go to the registration desk over there. I want to prevent too many people showing up with not being prepared. So if you pre-register, we'd love to have that. If you don't want to do that today, go to our website at sfaahcs.org, and if you need the information, it's at the desk uh, to register. You never know. You may need to have some sort of genealogy background to be eligible for reparations. But moreover, to know who you are, where you came from, how you connect with the past and the future. Two board members will facilitate this uh, um, workshop. Again, it's on February 18th at 11 o'clock at the Booker T. Washington Community Service Center. Also, I've been asked to invite you to hear John Templeton, who is a noted historian of San Francisco African American history, who will make a presentation on the Black History Month theme 
Black Resistance at Bethel AME Church. That's tomorrow, and I don't know the time, so does anyone know the time? Uh, John, are you here? Okay, so go to their website, and if you would like to hear John, he's got a wealth of information about San Francisco history and African Americans' role in that history. John is an author of several books related to history, and he serves as a trustee of Stillman College in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We also want to invite you to visit our table, to take a look at our materials. If you want to join us, please do. If you want to enroll in the genealogy workshop, please do at that time. But after this, after this event, we invite you to join us outside to join in a second line. Does everyone know what a second line is? This New Orleans-style march of joy. Because with black resistance comes black joy. And black joy is inclusive. Everyone can join in. We're not really going to march. <laughs> We're just going to walk. We're going to stroll. Um, and we're going to be doing this to the sounds of the MJ Boppers, courtesy of the San Francisco Public Library. We will be walking to the library. If you have a hanky, get that out. And I, I did have my mask. I was going to wave my mask, but uh, you don't have to do that. But just to get into the spirit of things, you may want to wave your hanky. And uh, just remember, black history is every day. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Ginger. Thank you so much. Uh, that kind of brings us to the end of, end of our program. My apologies. R ran a little over here uh, for keeping you. But let's, let's take a moment and, and give uh, uh, Dr. Southers and the rest of the program members another round of applause for an excellent presentation uh, coming in. And Reverend Shaw, thank you so very much for your presentation. Uh, that brings us to the, I want to mention that we do have, in your programs you'll notice we have sponsors that supported this event and made it possible through their contributions to the society. Uh, board members of the society uh, are listed there as well. We want to thank them for their hard work and contribution. And as Ginger said, if any of you have any interest in history, not just African-American history, but all these histories kind of inter intersect with each other at different points in time. We'd love to have you uh, be a part of the society and contribute your wisdom and knowledge to that. And with that, we want to thank you all for being here uh, this afternoon. And is Lawrence going to, you got a mic, Lawrence? Lawrence is going to sing and give us another song for us on the way out. You don't have to stay for, sit for the song, but he's going to sing and give us something on the way out. Okay. The impediment to action advances action. I'm ready, my brother. All that stands in the way becomes the way. All that stands in the way becomes the way. So we're going to do a little Bill Withers here. Lean on me. Lean on me. Is that thing jumping or did it just hit play right there? This. Okay. Okay. 
All right. Just. All right, put your hands together. More music, more music. More music. All right, more music. All right, all right. When you need somebody to lean on. Some more music. Time's in. We all have what? We all have pain. We all have sorrow. Yeah. Yeah. We know that there's always tomorrow. Always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong. Cause I'll be your friend. More music. I'll help you carry on. It won't be long. What? Somebody to lean on. If there is a Lord, you can. What? Fetch. Oh, I swallow your pride. If you have been. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all, we all need somebody oh, yeah, to oh, yeah. lean on. Cause I just might, I just might have a problem oh, yeah, I see that you'll understand. We all, we all need somebody oh, yeah, oh, yeah. to lean on. Lean on me ah. when you're not. Give yourselves a hand. 
Give yourself you a hand. Just my-